from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, the CIA appears to be the latest federal agency to go woke in this new recruitment video. I am a cisgender millennial who's been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. I am intersectional. Well, what does that have to do with a successful intelligence agency? The answer is obvious, nothing. Well, we'll talk about that later here on Washington Watch. Uh, the question is, could it be putting our nation at risk? We'll talk about it. Also, the Biden administration's efforts to relaunch the nuclear agreement with Iran is meeting with bipartisan opposition. South Dakota Senator Mike Rounds joins us with more in just a moment. And a member of the Finnish parliament is facing criminal charges for quoting the Bible. We will talk with her attorney, Paul Coleman, executive director of ADF International later here on Washington Watch. And question is, could this happen here in the U.S.? Lawmakers charged with a hate crime for quoting scripture? We may be, see, we may be seeing early signs. Uh, we'll talk with Florida Congressman Greg Stubbe. He'll be here later to explain. And President Biden is out beating the drum for his universal daycare plan. Why should you not only be leery, but concerned? George Barna is here with the answer to that question. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Let me encourage you also, download the Stand Firm app. You can listen to Washington Watch on the Stand Firm app and keep up with us and know what to do. As I've said many times before, our republic is not for spectators. It's for participants. Go to the App Store, download the Stand Firm app, and have, have us in your pocket. Okay. Also, some exciting new news. Uh, Washington Watch continues to grow rapidly and is being offered on many new platforms. We're airing on various radio networks, now close to 800 stations, American Family Radio, Bot Radio, CSN Radio Network, Kingdom Keys Radio Network, His Channel, and many other independent stations. And the latest to join the Washington Watch family is Liftable TV, which is available through video streaming apps like Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and uh, Chromecast. Um, go to TonyPerkins.tv. That's TonyPerkins.tv, and you can watch us every day, 5 p.m. Eastern time. All right, the recently leaked audio of Iran's foreign minister, uh, Minister Zarif, uh, where he was lamenting the influence of the country's Revolutionary Guard Corps in the, his diplomatic efforts with the West, is presenting a new challenge for the Biden administration in their effort to relaunch the 2005 nuclear deal, also known as the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action with Iran. Uh, this is facing now bipartisan opposition. Joining me now to uh, to talk more about this is Senator Mike Rounds from the state of South Dakota, who serves on the Senate Armed Services Committee and the Foreign Relations Committee, among others. Senator, welcome back to the program. Tony, thank you very much for the opportunity to visit today. So this is uh, this has long been a problem for Republicans, this agreement that uh, Barack Obama struck with Iran, President Trump pulling out, putting uh, kind of biting sanctions on uh, uh, Iran, the Biden administration now wanting to relaunch that agreement, but it looks like they've got a long way to go to get that uh, through Congress. I would agree with you, but 
The problem is, is that they don't need to get it through Congress if all they do is make a political deal again. Remember that if it is going to be a treaty, then that means it has to be approved by the Senate. Uh, President Obama did not go the route of a treaty, basically because he knew he couldn't get it done. Uh, you know, Vice President Biden at that time was well aware of that. Now, as the president of the United States, I doubt that he would bring it forward as a treaty based on the fact that most of us have had the opportunity to learn about the original Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action or the JCPOA or basically the Iran nuclear deal. And what happened during that time period was it didn't stop them from getting nuclear weapons. It simply delayed and they basically blessed their long-term nuclear ambitions while at the same time providing them additional resources. And on their part, after we had completed our end of this so-called political agreement, they continued to advance their own ballistic missile program. Uh, they continued to increase their, their military spending by, I get this, 90%. And, you know, look, they continued to intervene uh, in Syria. Uh, they continued to supply additional funds to Hezbollah. Um, and, and, and they got very actively involved in and, and intervened in Yemen. They have not necessarily been a good partner, even in this political deal. No, so the rest of us, we'd like to see this thing stopped. One of the things that we've tried to do, Senator Blackburn, myself, and several others, was to propose that we stop financing this proposed deal before it ever gets started. That's where we are today. Now, on the sanctions that were put in place by President Trump, if any kind of agreement, I mean, it's assumed that the Biden administration would have to remove some of these sanctions with, if, if I'm not mistaken, those sanctions, if they're removed, that would require congressional approval, at least some of them, would they not? Well, here's part of the deal. Remember, we allow a president to put sanctions in place on their own. Uh, uh, when it comes to foreign affairs, the Congress of the United States has ceded a lot of its authority to the executive branch of government. And that would also be true in this particular case. What, the, what President Trump did was to not only, well, what, what he really did was is he went far and away beyond just stopping the nuclear deal or walking away from that really bad deal. He also continued to put uh, additional sanctions on Iran because of what they were doing with regard to the terrorism, uh, you know, because of their military activity what they were doing in Syria and so forth. So what he did was what other presidents have done in the past with regard to foreign policy, simply saying we're going to put additional sanctions in place that really have hurt uh, Iran's uh, ability, their economy, and their ability to trade with the rest of the world. We also pushed our allies not to participate with them, and we threatened sanctions on other individuals that would participate with, with Iran. So... Now, as we move forward, what this president, what President Biden will probably have to look at and what Iran will insist on is that a number of those sanctions that were put in place by President Trump because of what Iran was doing besides their nuclear activities will probably have to be relaxed. Now, so far, President Biden has not done that, but clearly they're going to want something to come back to the table. And that's part of the reason why we've been so concerned. So you are proposing legislation, which obviously in a, a Congress controlled by the Democrats, probably going to be a heavy lift. But 
there are some members on the other side of the aisle, some Democrats, that also are concerned about Iran. Well, yes, and remember, when it comes to Iran, there's there's a, some of our allies in the region, such as Israel, have made it very clear that they do see the Iranian nuclear program as an existential threat to their country. And uh, look, it, Israel is our best ally in the Middle East. And to simply walk away and to do this without their approval or without their understanding of what we're doing would be a major mistake, in my opinion. And I think a lot of other people feel the same way. And so uh, Israel does have support uh, from other members of the United States Senate on both sides of the aisle. We recognize them as an ally and that for our security, and our long-term interest in the Middle East, uh, we want to maintain good relationships with with Israel. And right. so Republicans and Democrats both recognize that. We don't have the same feelings towards Iran. We recognize them as being a serious threat to our interests in the Middle East. You, you mentioned Israel, and the, we're talking about the. I just mentioned the the foreign minister, if in Iran, Zarif, and in these leaked audios, uh, leaked uh, tapes, it also included the the fact that uh, John Kerry had uh, informed him of Israeli actions against uh, Iran, primarily in Syria. Uh, does that not? create some concern from you that we had one of a, you know a, a now who's a top official in the Biden administration and this may have been occurring when he was in the in the the Obama administration tipping off um an adversary about what one of our allies is doing well remember that this is coming out of Iran and so uh, I'm, I'm going to take that with a grain of salt um I have not seen I have not had a classified briefing on that particular uh, uh, evidence that's been presented, or at least that which has been leaked. So before I jump to a conclusion that it is true, I'd want to see clear evidence of that. But if it is true, that would be, in my opinion, a very serious issue and most certainly uh, should be fully investigated by this administration. And you know, it, it, they've got to take a hard look at whether or not that brings to mind the competency uh, of, of, of that individual, the former Secretary of State. But let's not simply state that because we've got it uh, in a news report that it is necessarily true. I, I think well, okay. we I, have I, to be responsible and make sure that that's true before we before we go farther on. Fair enough, although there were other statements in there that would suggest that they wouldn't have released it uh, for their benefit because, as I said, it, uh, he's criticizing the Revolutionary Guard, which did not set well at home. But let me ask you this question following up. And your point's well taken. I, I appreciate that. But are there members of the uh, of the Senate that are asking for that uh, classified briefing to find out, in fact, if this did occur? Well, first of all, I would expect that in the Foreign Relations Committee, we will have briefings on that. Um, and But more than that, we've also I've signed on requesting that the Biden administration fully evaluate this and report back to us as to what actually did occur. So, you know, look, I, I would suspect that if there's anything to this, we'll find out about it in a classified briefing, probably before we actually uh, find anything released publicly.
So, Senator Rounds, do you see a path forward for an agreement between uh, the, the Biden administration and Iran in re-entering this nuclear deal? Do you think it's going to happen at this point? I, I honestly don't know. Um, it, it, it's possible since, you know, then former uh, uh, Vice President Biden was part of that discussion. He's had aides that are now there now that were part of that. Clearly, they would like to go back to some of the issues that that uh, they worked on during the Obama administration. And anything that President Trump did, they're doing their best to undo, whether it's tax reform or rebuilding right. the economy or anything else. You know, they, they're taking exactly 180 degrees away. But in this particular case, um, look, they're they're trying to do this because they think that it's that it's at least going to delay a nuclear Iran. I'm of the opinion that simply blessing it a few years farther down the line is not the way towards a permanent peace in the Middle East. Right. But so, it, I, I, you know, it, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place right now, and they should keep the they should keep the sanctions on at this point. Right. And, and, and we're Iran up against we're up against a break, but that was what I was going to ask you. Aren't the sanctions working? I mean, I think we're in the best position we could possibly be in right now. We could be better to be stronger but i think to undo those sanctions actually puts us in a weak, weaker place i agree with you and they should not be letting the sanctions go without getting something in return all right senator mike rounds thanks so much for joining us as always great to uh, to talk with you thank you sir appreciate the opportunity absolutely have a great day senator mike rounds of uh, south dakota all right when we come back a lawmaker in fin finland charged with a crime for quoting the Bible. That's next. In a recent poll, it was revealed that only 6% of Americans hold a biblical worldview. This research also indicated that Christianity's teachings on abortion, marriage, and homosexuality are not only misunderstood, but seen as dangerous and subversive. In response to this trend, Family Research Council has released a new set of resources in our Biblical Worldview series. In addition to our full publications, which cover the topics of Christian political engagement, abortion, religious liberty, and human sexuality, FRC now offers helpful summaries of each publication in this series, as well as accompanying prayer guides to help you and your family pray through these important issues. And finally, our popular biblical principles for political engagement is now available in Spanish. All these resources are free and available at frc.org worldview. Again, that's frc.org worldview. Here's a moment of hope for your home with Jerry and Becky Drace. Do you spend time thinking about how quickly your children are growing? I mean, zoom, you look at them, they're babies, and then they're out on their own. More important than physical growth, though, is spiritual growth. Listen to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you want your child to be a blessing to God, then it requires that you invest in their growth. Teach them to love Jesus, to love His Word, and to care for others. Then show them. You know, your child may grow to be 4 foot 10 or 7 foot 5, but they can become giants in the sight of God. Learn more about the ministry of Jerry and Becky Drace, including evangelism with integrity, devotions, articles, and more at hopeforthehome.org. 
This has been a moment of hope for your home. We are not allowed to have a U-Haul that comes to heaven with us. Anna Marie Travers has an AFA Foundation charitable gift annuity. The Lord has given us uh, things that we can uh, acquire, but you know, everything will stay here. And I'm so thankful for, for the American Family uh, Annuity Fund where we can give some to something that we so highly value. Through the AFA Foundation, a charitable gift annuity provides a monthly income as well as a legacy of support for the American Family Association. I cannot uh, recommend a, a better person than uh, they have at AFA to help you with getting your annuity fund. It was so easy. Call the AFA Foundation today to find out how you can set up a charitable gift annuity. Just call 800 326 4543, extension 345. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on the free speech platform of Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. And uh, again, let me remind you, uh, launching out into a new platform, another platform this week. Uh, it is Liftable TV. And to find out more, go to TonyPerkins.tv and uh, you can watch Washington Watch. How about that? All right, I want you to pay close attention to this, uh, this next item. A Finnish member of parliament, Dr. Pavi Rosaninen, uh, had previously served as the Minister of Interior and the head of the Christian Democratic Party. And she is facing three criminal charges for hate speech. Now, her, her crime is citing scriptures that disapproved of homosexuality. The three hate speech charges, each of which carry a prison sentence of uh, two years, stem from comments made in a 2004 pamphlet, also a 2018 TV show, and most recently in a tweet directed at her church leadership that was going soft on biblical teaching. The pamphlet, and in the tweet, it was actually a, a, a picture of scripture, and she tweeted it out challenging the leadership of the church. Now, the pamphlet, um, very similar, just articulates historic Christian teaching on human sexuality, and it was uh, published by the Luther Foundation Finland. The publication's editor-in-chief, who is a bishop-elect of the Evangelical Lutheran Mission Diocese of uh, Finland, also faces a charge for his role with the pamphlet. Uh, this is uh, quite disturbing. Now, Finland, it's a, Finland's not a huge country, about 5.5 million people. And uh, the, the main church, mostly Protestant, is the uh, the Evangelical Lutheran Church, and about 67% of the uh, people in Finland are uh, connected with, associated with, have membership in the Lutheran Church of uh, Finland, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of Finland. But here's the kicker. Uh, I was looking through some of this. Uh, only about 2% of the members actually attend church on a weekly basis. Average is they attend twice a year. So there's actually been a schism within the church, the church leadership trying to be culturally relevant, 
uh, has gone soft on biblical teaching as it pertains to human sexuality. Well, that's not setting well with those who believe Scripture. And, and so there are those that are using the leverage of some of these hate crime laws to go after those who are speaking out. And we're going to be joined here momentarily uh, by Paul Coleman, who is the executive director of ADF International. He's handling this case for Alliance Defending Freedom uh, there in Finland. So we're trying to get connected with him, and we'll be bringing uh, him on to talk about this case. We need to watch these things because if... All right, I think we've got him now. So we've got, uh, we got Paul Coleman. So I'm going to bring, on, uh, bring Paul in. Paul... Uh, just laid out the uh, kind of the basic the basis of this case, uh, these pending charges for hate crimes against. Um, actually, we have two individuals here. We have the uh, uh, bishop elect of the Lutheran mission. Uh, so, so, just go ahead and, uh, and and give us the status on what's happening there. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much for inviting me on. So. Um, Pavi Rosanen is a member of the Finnish parliament, experienced politician, been a member of the parliament for over 25 years, served as a government minister. She faces three criminal charges for so-called hate speech for various things that she has written and spoken about over the last almost 20 years on the topic of marriage and sexuality. And then one of the booklets that she wrote for a church foundation in 2004 has now been dug up, uncovered, and the publisher of that booklet, along with Pavi Rizanan, is now facing criminal charges as well. Now, uh, Paul, this, this pub pamphlet that was written, was that, what was the purpose of that? So it was, um, Pavi Rizanan is not only a member of parliament, she's uh, also a medical doctor, um, and she is very active in her church. Her husband is a pastor within that church denomination, and she was asked to write a booklet explaining the biblical position of marriage, of sexuality from a biblical perspective, and also some of the challenges that were taking place within Finnish society in 2004 on all of those issues. And so it was um, written for members of her church, her congregation, to help them think through these issues uh, from a biblical perspective. So this was, I mean, she's writing this for her church. This is to educate Christians on what the Bible has to say uh, about the issue of, uh, of human sexuality. And so you have the prosecutor general that has initiated multiple, actually four, if I'm not mistaken, four investigations into this. Um, this is, this is out, I mean, it, it, it's just kind of crazy that here's someone speaking into their church. The tweet was about her church leadership. They came after her for that. D do you not have the freedom of speech and religion in Finland? Well, it, it is shocking, and we're seeing more and more examples of this across Europe as um, so-called hate speech laws have been adopted by all of these different European countries. Uh, we're now seeing how these hate speech laws are being used uh, and turned against Christians who believe in biblical definition of marriage between a man and a woman and seeing them applied in, in lots of different areas like this. But even so, even with all of the cases we're seeing, this is particularly shocking to see that the top prosecutor of that country, there was a, a press uh, release last week, uh, there were four police investigations and the prosecutor continued 
with with three of them. Each one of these charges carries a maximum two-year prison sentence. Um, and, and so the general prosecutor is really going all in on this to try and uh, convict Parvi of, of these crimes. And, um, and if this conviction is successful, this prosecution is successful, then no, I don't think we can say that we have freedom of speech in Finland. And of course, it's not just Finland. It's, it's all of these other countries as well with similar laws. Uh, Paul, we're up against a break, but I, I, can you hang on? Because I want to ask you one more question uh, that I think is very relevant to our co our conversation here. So if you'll stick with us, Paul, it's going to sure. stick around. And uh, we're going to be back on the other side of the break. Also going to be joined by uh, Congressman Brad Stubbe, who may see some early warning signs of something like this happening in the U.S. So don't go away. Coming back with more Washington Watch on the other side of this break. Making the most of your money. Here's Dan Celia on American Family Radio. Well, it looks like we started off the week, at least in a positive territory. All of the economy reopening is having a very positive effect, as you can imagine, in the markets. One of the things we are seeing the positive effect is retail stocks. We'll see if that can continue. The indices were up yesterday primarily on very positive earnings reports from retail, of all things, Macy's, Dillard's, Urban Outfitters, Kohl's, and more all gaining significantly a lot of pent up desire to get out there and start buying and i suspect that will continue then we head into the summer driving season and vacation season which seems to be in full swing right now the g7 meeting that's going to drive the week it's extremely important i don't know how much attention anybody's going to pay to it but one of the things they're going to talk about is iran russia china and the threat that they continue to pose to the rest of the free world this comes on the heels of the awareness that china owns 200 square miles of property in texas which they are building a wind farm with windmills about 300 feet higher or more than the average windmill. This 65 miles away from a very strategic Air Force base, and it is a gateway to our grid system from communist China. These kinds of things around the world within the G7 have to be discussed. And unfortunately, in order to have productive discussions, they're going to have to put aside political correctness and their globalist agenda and start talking about defense, military, and strength. Want to hear more financial advice from Dan Celia? Look for his podcast at AFR.net. All right, welcome back to Washington Watch. As I mentioned, uh, this is something I want you to pay close attention to. We're talking about a member of the Finnish parliament, Pave Rosanen, who has, is facing uh, multiple charges for violation. These are criminal charges for violation of hate speech for quoting scripture. Uh, we're joined by Paul Coleman. He's executive director of ADF International, who is handling uh, this case. Paul, thanks for sticking around. Um, okay, so you, you, when do you think this may go before a court? 
Unfortunately, the whole process has already been uh, long. Uh, the first investigation began in August 2019. Uh, the police investigations then wrapped up um, spring last year, and the prosecutor sat on this essentially for a whole year with all of these charges hanging over Harvey's head. Um, we spoke to lawyers in Helsinki today. They predict that the, the court case will probably go through all different levels of the judicial system in Finland because it will be precedent setting. And so it could take years. The charges will come before the district court in the next few weeks. But from that point on, it could be a very long process. And, and that's often what we talk about with these hate speech laws in the, the process is often the punishment because these charges hang over you for years. You're accused of these crimes. It takes years. And even if you eventually clear your name at the end of it, you would drag through the courts trying to protect your reputation for, for years and years. Uh, not to mention that they're very costly. Uh, it's it's a yeah. huge uh, distraction uh, for someone who is in the midst of this. Uh, uh, fortunately, ADF is uh, defending her. Uh, people can find out more about this case and, and how they can support her and ADF where? Oh, thank you. Uh, ADFinternational.org. The case is right on our homepage. Uh, people can read all about it. And also within that page on this case, we've also set up a little um, way in which people can send messages of support to Parvi, and we are collecting those, sending them to her, and she is really appreciating it. She knows that the world is watching this, and she is grateful for all of the support that she's receiving. By the way, she's a, she's a mother uh, and a grandmother. I think she has is it five children and seven grandchildren. That's correct, yeah. Um, and a member of parliament and a medical doctor and very involved in her local church, just a normal, lovely right. person. Well, I wouldn't say she's normal. I would say she's a, a very yeah. active person, former interior uh, minister for Finland, certainly a public servant. There's no question about that. She was also the, uh, I think, the chair of the Christian Democratic Party there. So she's a, she's been a leader uh, in Finland. Okay, Paul, here's my last question for you. And I want to thank you for, for joining us. Um, what should we in America be learning from this? Thank you. I think that the, the most important thing is that if this is taking place in Finland, it could take place anywhere. Um, it's no good thinking that it will never happen. If we think of everything that's happened in the last few years, I think we can no longer be saying things like, oh, that will never happen here. I can never imagine that happening um, because we are dealing with these uh, shocking examples in this area and, and many others coming up quite often now. And this absolutely could take place in, in, in the U.S. I, I'm very aware of the protections for free speech in the U.S. context, also with, with Supreme Court precedent. However, we're dealing with a culture and a context in which sitting presidents are getting kicked off Twitter, uh, the cancel culture that we're all reading about and talking about is um, going full steam ahead. And so uh, what would it take for something like this to unfold in other jurisdictions? I think not very much. And so this is a warning sign to all of us to protect and defend the liberties that, that we hold dear within our own legal contexts. Uh, absolutely. Uh, one final question. I, I do have to ask you another question because uh, the, the Finnish uh, church, the Evangelical Lutheran Church, which is the largest Protestant denomination there, how vocal have they been in support of Pavi? 
Well, this is one of the sad things about this, and we see this in a lot of other cases, is not supportive. Um, so there are many Christians in Finland who are supporting her, uh, her own church, and as I say, her husband is a pastor. So she has plenty of support within the Christian community, but a lot of the institutionalized churches uh, have not been vocal in their support of her. And so that is, as we often see, one of the very challenging aspects to these these cases. And that, I think, is essential when you lose the sight of biblical truth, the church loses its influence in the culture. And uh, uh, that's one thing I pray in America, that the church will stand firm on biblical truth and we will preserve our, not only our religious freedom, but our freedom of speech as well. Paul Coleman, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, folks, as I said, uh, you know, we need to be watching what's happening here at uh, home. And don't think it can happen. As Paul said, it can happen. I'm grateful that we do see a stirring in the church and an understanding of biblical truth. But just as the church there in Finland slipped away from biblical, their biblical foundation because of the blowing winds of the culture, it can happen here as well. That's why we've got to stand firm on that biblical truth. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to be joined by a congressman from out of Florida, Congressman Greg Stubbe, who uh, not too long ago brought up the Bible, quoted scripture on the floor of the House of Representatives. The response, very telling and should be taken as a warning sign that we cannot be complacent here in America lest we see the same thing happen. All right, we're coming back with more Washington Watch. Also going to be joined by George, uh, by George Barna a little bit later as we look at what's happening in our schools. That's next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Today, moral relativism and political correctness are assaulting truth. How can the world have hope? when believers themselves aren't clear on the authority of the Bible. The Church of Jesus Christ always faces a tremendous temptation to deviate from the Word of God. The God who speaks clearly expresses God's intent in giving us His Word and the response that is demanded of those who hear. Nobody ever encounters God and says, that was boring and irrelevant. When people say that about the Bible, it just says to me, they've not encountered the God of the Bible. Our faith is rooted in history, and, and consequently, we need to use the evidence and never be afraid of it. The God Who Speaks is a feature-length documentary from the American Family Association, which could bolster your confidence in the Word of God. Churches really need to see this, really need to understand what the Bible actually is. Available now at thegodwhospeaks.org. In his image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live, 55 minutes of industrial strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests 
plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls, so plan to join us for Encouragement Live, Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, here on American Family Radio. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. I'm Tony Perkins, and you're listening to Washington Watch. The website is TonyPerkins.com. All right, in the last segment, we heard about the case of a Christian lawmaker, a member of parliament in Finland, who could face six years in prison for making statements based upon the Bible's teaching on marriage and human sexuality. You might think, well, oh, that'll never happen here in the United States. Well, don't be so sure. In February, on the House floor during the debate over the Equality Act, Congressman Greg Stubbe of Florida quoted the Bible. Listen to this. Unlike most speeches you'll hear on this floor today, I'm going to start with the truth. Deuteronomy 22.5 states, A woman must not wear men's clothing, nor a man wear women's clothing, for the Lord your God detests anyone who does this. Now, this verse isn't concerned about clothing styles, but with people determining their own sexual identities. Republican Congressman Greg Stubbe of Florida continued to outline why he believes the equality bill shouldn't pass. Minutes later, due to snickering from lawmakers... ...bear the consequences. Gentlemen will suspend. The House will be in order. At the end, New York Democratic Representative Gerald Nadler responded. Mr. Stubbe, what any religious tradition ascribes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. Of course, that's not the first time the Democratic Party has taken a slap at God. Um, Mr. Nadler also dropped, so help me God, from the pledge in the Judiciary Committee, the oath that witnesses take. And of course, this is the same Democratic Party that in 2012 removed all references to God from the party platform. And then when the leadership tried to put it back in, you might recall the booze on the floor of the convention in Charlotte. Uh, so this is not new. But could we be approaching something like what's happening in Finland? Joining me now to talk more about this is Congressman Greg Stubbe. He represents the 17th Congressional District of Florida. He serves on the House Judiciary Committee and the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me. So you heard what uh, is unfolding in Finland, as Paul Coleman talked about that. Do you have any concerns that that could happen here in the United States? Well, I would argue that you've seen that happening slowly in the United States with COVID-19. Uh, you've seen 
governors in states like California shut down churches, uh, say that you have to be outdoors and then shut down the amount of people that are out there. So I think you're already starting to see uh, that type of activity under the guise of COVID-19 and protecting your health care happening right here in the United States. So, uh, it, you know, you're seeing that in Finland, but you're also seeing the type of reaction that I got from Jerry Nadler, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, the Democratic chairman of the Judiciary Committee, just by simply citing scripture on the House floor. And what was interesting in that discussion was, as he said that, in God we trust is enshrined and inscribed above the speaker's rostrum. Uh, but apparently that doesn't matter to uh, Jerry Nadler. Well, it's the interjection of scripture that seems to trouble them most. Uh, but your point is well taken. I think this is a slow, subtle, but not, nonetheless, a very definitive uh, process that we see taking place, what's happened over the last 18 months, as you mentioned, with the COVID-19. But the, the one thing I, I would hope, and you can speak to this as you saw the response to what Nadler said to you, that the church here in America is not as complacent as it is in Finland. Well, absolutely. And what you've also seen, thankfully, is a U.S. Supreme Court that has been very proactive on religious liberty cases. You've seen them overturn laws in California, New York, and others where they've tried to shut down churches. So thankfully, uh, thankful to Trump's appointments to the U.S. Supreme Court, you've actually seen religious freedoms uh, fully felt up here in, in um, the United States and supported by the U.S. Supreme Court. So despite how far California governors and New York governors are willing to go, thankfully right now we have a U.S. Supreme Court that's actually willing to prescribe to the First Amendment rights to our Constitution, and that is our religious liberties. So hopefully they'll continue to do that. And I think if you're going to see governors and others try to tell members that are trying to talk about their religious beliefs or churches that are trying to gather, um, they won't be shot down um, like you're seeing happening in Finland and other countries. Well, and, and uh, Congressman, you're a lawyer as well. You serve on the Judiciary Committee. Uh, the, uh, the advice I think that pastors and churches should take is that they should exercise these freedoms because that's the best way to preserve them. Yeah, absolutely. And in states like Florida, we've been open since May. You, you have freedom here in Florida. Businesses have been open. Restaurants have been open. Our kids have been in school. And so it's a very different environment here than when I go to Washington and uh, obviously in Washington and doing the work of the will of the people of my district. So I hope that Christians and conservatives in the United States will stand up for their religious freedoms. And I think they'll they'll continue to do that as, we, as you've seen, uh, as the cases have been brought against these different orders, against Jewish synagogues and churches meeting that have, t have making their, all, their way all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Congressman Greg Stubbe, always great to talk with you. Thanks for your boldness and courage in uh, speaking truth wherever you are. Happy to do it anytime. All right, thanks so much. Congressman Greg Stubbe of uh, Florida. You can find out more, go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. And by the way, folks, um, I say this occasionally, but I probably need to say it more often, is that uh, almost all the men and women that come on to Washington Watch are the good conservative Christian men and women who serve in Congress. And you know what? It doesn't hurt to send them an encouraging note occasionally. You know, we, uh, we're quick to kind of jump on those that uh, do the wrong thing. But those that do the right thing, um, send them a note. 
Go to you, and, and we always have links at TonyPerkins.com. So you can go to TonyPerkins.com, and there'll be links up there to uh, to Congressman Greg Stubbe. All right, we've talked about this yesterday and, I, and the day before, and we're going to be talking about it a lot. And that is the president pushing his um, 1.8 trillion dollar family American Families Plan. Uh, a lot of it dealing with education. Uh, preschool education, early childhood education, and daycare. Now, just to put this in perspective, $1.8 trillion. In 2018, the total federal budget was uh, just north of $4 trillion. This is almost half of the entire federal budget going to, like I said, education, early childhood, preschool education, um, child care, universal child care. I mean, all kinds of stuff that the left, it's a wish list for the left. But I want to zero in on this early childhood education or daycare, universal government daycare, and why we should be concerned about this. And to help me unpack this is uh, George Barna. Uh, many of you know him. He joins us now. He is... Uh, world-renowned researcher. He is with the, he's the director of the Research and Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. He's also a senior research fellow here at FRC. George, welcome back to the program. Good to be with you, Tony. Uh, George, uh, one of the reasons this should be on the radar screen of uh, every Christian parent is the reality of when a worldview is formed in a child and knowing that what we see coming out of the government today is not sympathetic to, but rather it is hostile toward a biblical worldview. Yeah, I mean, if we go back to the research to figure out how does somebody's worldview develops, and we have to remember everybody has one, everybody develops one, starting somewhere around 15 to 18 months of age, and that worldview is almost completely formed by the age of 13. During our teens and 20s, we refine it, we figure out how to articulate it and implement it. But it's really those early childhood years that are critical. You'll remember that a lot of communist and socialist leaders around the world, totalitarians, have said, give me your children until the age of seven, I'll have them for the rest of their life. Well, they understand that. And of course, our government leaders understand that as well. And so it's imperative that we go back to the biblical perspective on this, which is that it's a parent's chief responsibility in life to make sure that their child's worldview is intentionally and strategically developed in concert with God's principles and commands. And so to turn that over to the public schools where they'll be indoctrinated with government perspective is the antithesis of what God has instructed us to do. That's handing them off to people who have a completely different way of life. And they will twist the minds of our young people. We've seen that done in many situations in our country already. And so this ought to be an absolutely alarming development in terms of public policy. And of course, it's enticing to parents because uh, this is going to save them uh, a lot of money. This could be worth up to $12,000, $13,000 a year for, for parents. But let's look at the long game here. As you said, the indoctrination that takes place, and we've seen what's coming out of our public education system. Um, so do we really want our kids there even earlier to be indoctrinated with this? How can parents, 
How can they work to counter what is happening in the public education system as it pertains to the worldview of their children? Well, there are probably a number of courses of action that people can take. One of the things that's encouraging to me is thanks to COVID, more parents are becoming aware of what their children are actually being taught, how they're being taught, who's teaching them, what kind of documents they're being forced to read. And so what we've seen is that the proportion of children being homeschooled has risen from 3% to 11% in the last 18 months. Now, maybe all parents can't do the homeschool route. So that means that they still have that primary responsibility to know what's going on in their child's education. They might choose to move them to a different school. They might choose to vote for a different board of education. They might choose to track much more carefully what's being done with their child's education and be very vocal about the things that they do not want their children to be exposed to or to ask them to be removed from certain classes or certain teachers that are going to be providing antithetical education. And of course, it's imperative that we be telling our elected representatives at all levels, local, county, uh, state, federal, certainly, what it is that we expect the public education system to do and not to do. And they can also run for the local school board to affect change there at the school board as well. Folks, I encourage you to prayerfully consider that. But they can also do something that's uh, more practical. Uh, Well, that's practical, running for the school board. But uh, even easier to do is actually just read the Scripture with your children and walk them through its application to the world in which we live. Exactly right, because, I mean, you know, Deuteronomy 6 and many other passages talk about that being the primary responsibility of adults raising children to be spiritual champions, young people who grow up to love the Lord and serve Him with all their heart, mind, strength, and soul. Uh, The other thing that they might take a look at is what's happening with their children in the church that they attend. Are they playing games? Are they simply uh, being made to feel good and happy? Or are they actually learning what it means to be a Christian, developing relationships that will enable them to be more dynamic followers of Christ? That's a very important element as well. Yeah, this you cannot be indifferent toward this and think it's just going to happen. You have to be intentional about uh, developing within your child this biblical worldview and I know so many parents, you know, that later in life, they lament where they're, the decisions their children have made, that they kind of, they track left. But it all goes back to that worldview in the early years. The left seems to get that. That's why they want these children earlier and earlier so that they can indoctrinate them. Well, of course, as you well know, there's, and the word may not be exactly accurate, but kind of collusion between government and big tech these days. And so what happens with our kids? Well, they spend a lot of hours in school. They come home, they spend a lot of hours with the media. And given that both of those sectors are providing the same messages, banging those same messages home hour after hour, day after day, week after week, we have to be intentional about counteracting the lies, the deceptions, the the distortions, the errant worldviews that our kids are intentionally being taught by government and media. And the best place for that to happen is in the home. Absolutely. George Barna, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for stopping by today. Thank you, Tony. 
All right. And folks, as I've said before, you can delegate the authority. You can. You've got to think through that. You can delegate the authority to teach your children, but you can never delegate the responsibility. That's been given to you by God, and you are the one that will be held accountable. We, I've got a, just in a couple of weeks, going to have a, a really encouraging announcement of something we're working here on at the Family Research Council. George Barn is a part of that to help you as a parents in this effort to help build within your your children, your grandchildren, pastors within your church, your youth, a biblical worldview. It's essential. I think what we've seen around us in the last year especially is kind of pulling back the curtain on where our country is, and it all goes back to worldview, and it goes back to our public education system, our government schools. We've got to be intentional about countering that. And I would encourage you, a good place to start is our Bible reading program. You can go to frc.org slash Bible, and as a family, go through our two-year journey through the Bible. The stories we're getting back from families and the impact that it has had upon them are tremendous. Be a part of that. Again, you go to TonyPerkins.com and you can follow the links over and lead your family in just that two-year journey through the Bible and talk about it. You'll, you'll be amazed at how relevant the Bible is to what we're facing today. All right, folks, you know that music means we're out of time. I want to thank you for joining us today. And until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.